Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Pastor Joel said a second ago, sometimes we've got to prophesy. You know, sometimes we, we got the wrong message because when we think about prophecy sometimes, there are two different types of prophecy. There's foretelling, and that's what automatically comes to our mind that, you know, you're going to have this happen and that happen and all that. But then there's an, also another side of prophecy that is foretelling. And how many of you know you can prophesy, you can foretell when you speak what this book says, you are prophesying. And so maybe somebody here, you kind of say, well, I don't know what the future holds. Maybe you got confused. But listen, you can prophesy this morning in the foretelling way. Jesus stood up at the temple that day, and he opened the book of Isaiah. And he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, set the captive free. You see, this book already says the chains are falling. So when you prophesy today, we're, we're going to prophesy for just a second. I'm going to preach, don't worry. But we're going to prophesy, and we're going to prophesy what the book says. We are going to foretell and say the chains are falling. Now, now, there's some of you here today, you've got chains of fear. Fear that has gripped you and will not let you go. And I prophesy today that God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. And I prophesy that those chains of fear will fall in the name of Jesus. Some of you got chains of addictions. I prophesy that Jesus said you'll know the truth, and the truth is going to make you free today. I prophesy to somebody, you're about to get free from, from stuff that you have been bound by. Your chains are falling here today. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to sing this one more time and say, I hear the chains falling. And I want them to sing it out because I know how this is. You know, I don't want it to be so quiet that you're embarrassed. I want this to be a moment that you forget I'm up here, forget they're up here, forget who's beside you. And I want you to get in connection with God, and I want you to begin to prophesy today. My chains are falling today. If it's fear, I want you to say, Lord, I believe my chains of fear are falling. If it's addiction, I want you to say, my chains of addiction or whatever it is today we about to sing y'all get ready and we're going to sing i hear the chains falling i want you to prophesy it forth tell what this word this book already says it belongs to you right here right now come on sing it i hear the chains falling i, I hear the chains prophesy falling. prophesy it's falling here today chains of Chains of doubt, chains of anxiety, they're falling here today. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. Somebody's getting free. The chains are falling. Chains of addiction are falling. Jesus, he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Chains falling. I hear the chains falling. I hear the chains falling. 
the name of Jesus, before we move any farther in this service, Lord, I, I prophesy over this congregation today. I prophesy that your word will not return void. It will accomplish that which has been set forth to do. Today, you're setting people free, Lord. There's freedom in your presence. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And you are here in this place today. And you are setting the captive free in this house today. In the name of Jesus Christ, people are not going to walk out of here the same way they walked in. They walked in bound, but they're walking out free. They walked in sick, but they're walking out healed. They walked in carrying worry and doubt and fear, but they're walking out. They're going to put on the garment of praise and put down the spirit of heaviness here today in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I declare it. I prophesy it today because you said it, O oh Lord. You said it in your word. And we stand on it, O oh Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on one more time. Lift your hands all across this room here today. Just worship Him. Praise Him here today, O oh Lord. We give you honor and praise, O oh Lord. Chains are falling. Chains are falling here today. In the mighty name of Jesus, in the mighty name of Jesus, chains are falling. I hear those chains falling right now. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I hear that chains falling. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You say, preacher, are you just, are you off base? No, I'm speaking this from the Bible. The prophet Elijah prayed that it would not rain, and it did not rain. But when it got time to rain, he prayed. He prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed, and then finally he saw a cloud about the size of a man's hand. And the Bible said he girded up his loin, which means he got his robe. Instead of all flopping everywhere, he got it all tucked up and ready to move. And he started to run. And he said, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. He heard it because God said it before anybody actually heard it or saw it. So today I'm telling you before you actually see it or you actually hear it, I'm speaking it by faith in the name of of Jesus Christ that chains I hear the chains falling here today yes oh Lord hallelujah 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 Lord we just thank you thank you for this atmosphere thank you for what you're doing here in this place today chains are falling people are going to get healed people are going to get delivered here today in the mighty mighty name of Jesus hallelujah Thank you, O oh Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, O oh Lord. Thank you, O oh Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, O oh Jesus. Just remain standing with me a few more moments. Our kids can be dismissed to Children's Church. If you'll take your Bibles, just remain standing. I'm about to let you sit down. I'm going to read one verse from 2 Kings chapter 5. The book of 2 Kings chapter 5. That's where we're going. We're going to read verse 14, reading from the NIV this morning. 2 Kings chapter 5 and verse 14. Hallelujah. It says this, 
So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him. And his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. I want to preach to you today about a man named Naaman. Would you pray with me, Father? Thank you so much for today. Thank you for what you've done here. Thank you for what you're doing here. Lord, I just ask your anointing upon me here today. Lord, as I stand behind this sacred desk, Lord, I cannot do this on my own. It's impossible. But I know that you've never asked me to do anything that you do not help me to do. And so I ask for your help today, for your anointing. Give me the clarity of thought, the clarity of speech that is so necessary. And I pray right now for every person under the sound of my voice, both here in this room, listening by podcast, that you'd open their hearts, their minds, and their spirits. Touch us and change us by your word. We thank you and we praise you for it. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody in the house said, Amen. God bless you. You can be seated here this morning. How many of you here this morning would say you've heard of this guy Naaman before? Let me see your hands. You've heard of Naaman before. There might be some. You might not be familiar with Naaman, or maybe it's been a little while. So I'm going to review this story because I want to bring you up to speed with where we're at. And I want to pull out a few things that I I see that I want to give you this morning. We come to the book of 2 Kings chapter 5, and we find a guy named Naaman. Everybody say Naaman. Naaman was, according to the scripture, he was a commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. You see, we find that this man, Naaman, was a commander. He was pretty much, as you read into this chapter and you find out how dear he was to the king, he was the king's right-hand man. He was right there with the king. The king looked to him. The king relied on him. The king had great faith in him. And not only did the king of Aram have faith in you, but this is some of those things in the Old Testament that we sometimes don't get talked to, and I'm not going to dig into it right now very deep, but we find in the Scripture that it was the Lord, capital L, the Lord, that gave Naaman victories as he went out to battle. He was valiant. He had everything going for him except for one thing, and that was he was a leper. Most of us are familiar with what leprosy is. Leprosy is a disease, and without getting too technical about it, it was a disease that would ravage your skin. You would have sores. You became really an outcast at some point. Pieces of flesh would eventually fall off. It was a, a disease of which in that time there was no known cure. There was no way to combat it. There was no way to fix it. It was something that was impossible. And so Naaman here, he had gone out and he had went out and they had invaded some different territories. And as they invaded a territory, they picked up a girl, a girl who was an Israelite. Everybody say Israelite. A girl that was an Israelite and she became the, the, the maid of Naaman's wife. And so she said to Naaman's wife, she began to talk about a prophet, a man of God that lived back in her home country in the city of Samaria. A man that you and I as church people are pretty familiar with, and that is a man named 
Elisha. And she begins to tell her, 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 her mistress, her, 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 her master there that says, if only Naaman could meet Elisha, this man of God in Samaria, I have no doubt that he could be healed. Can I stop for just a moment and just remind us or ask us the question, when is the last time that we told somebody that didn't know the Lord, that didn't know anything about God, when is the last time that we've gotten so bold to say, I know you got a problem, but if I could just introduce you to Jesus, I believe that he could take care of every problem that you have. You see, I think we've come to that place I shared with the men this morning and just in a very brief moment here, I want to tell you just a part of what I told them and that is I don't believe that Washington, D.C. or Jackson, Mississippi or any other legislation has the cure to what this nation and this world needs. No, in fact, I believe that the cure for what this world and what this nation needs is sitting right here in this room it is the church of the living God I am convinced now more than ever that we cannot legislate peace that we cannot legislate morality that we cannot politic our way into the things that we know no the only thing that's going to work is if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land I'm preaching to you church it's us sitting right here not just us exclusively but I'm talking about the church every person that marches under the blood-stained banner of the cross of Jesus Christ it is us that has the answers that this world needs I've got to remind us today that we need to be telling people about it. Here, this young lady that's been cap taken captive, she's basically a prisoner of war of sorts and turned into a servant. Here she says, I've just, and we know this is Old Testament here, so remember, when you in the Old Testament perspective, when she talks about the prophet of God, she's really talking in a New Testament perspective, it's talking about him. And so here this young lady is saying, I know I'm a captive, I know I was carted off from war, but I just can't help but tell you uh, that there is an answer to the problem that you have and it is Jesus. You see, I need somebody here in this place. I need the Spirit of Almighty God to begin to stir you when you go to work tomorrow, when you go to class tomorrow, when you go wherever you go tomorrow. I need the Lord to begin to stir us again, to be able to look in the eyes of those that are hurting, of those that are in need of those that have no idea what they're going to do that don't go to church that don't care about God I'm looking for a holy boldness to rise up again in us and look at them and say I know you're hurting and I know things are bad but I have got the answer that you need and his name is Jesus somebody give God if you a praise if you believe that here today 
So we find this little servant girl decides that she's going to speak up. So here's a man, here's a man that really has no hope at this point. Doctors can't cure it. I mean, he's number two in the land. He's right there. The king loves him. The king don't want anything to happen to him. They've done everything they can possibly do medically and all that. So the only thing left is to try to go to this prophet Elisha. I didn't intend on stalling out right here, but I just feel the spirits just kind of, I may not even get past here this morning. You know, I believe that's where we've got to get to again. If we're going to see miracles again, if we're going to see signs and wonders again, if we're going to see God do the miraculous again, I believe some, that it's going to take us getting to that place again where we don't have hope in anything else. When our hope, and I'm, please understand this, I'm not preaching against doctors. I'm not preaching against modern medicine. I'm thankful for those things because I believe that the Bible teaches that any bit of knowledge of good things that we have, God has given it to us. God has enabled the doctors. God has enabled all that. But listen, so Sometimes there comes a place where God has to bring us to the point where we can't find hope in anything else except for Jesus. Church, I'm telling you, I believe that's where God wants to bring us to again today is to say there is no hope. I can't find an answer. I can't find it in a doctor. I can't find it in a counselor. I can't find it in a pill bottle. I can't find it at the bottom of a bottle of alcohol. I've come to the place where I have determined that the only place that I can find the answer that I need is in Jesus Christ. You see, answers couldn't be found in the false gods of Aram. You see, we find that Naaman was as close to the action as possible. Look at verse 18 there in chapter 5. Verse 18. Here Naaman is talking to Elijah. He said, but may the Lord forgive your servant for this one thing. When my master enters the temple of Rimon to bow down, and he is leaning on my arm, and I bow down there also. When I bow down in the temple of Rimon, may the Lord forgive your servant for this. Basically what's happening here is Naaman was so close to the king that he would be the one that would basically escort the king into their holy temple of their little g god Rimon. so if anybody would have had access to any healing or any power if Rimon had it naaman would have had access to it but i remind us again today that there is no power there is no hope there is no forgiveness. There is no peace. There is none of those things in any kind of God except the one true God, Jehovah, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, whose only begotten son, Jesus Christ, came and died on an old rugged cross and three days later rose triumphing over death, hell, and the grave. You see, Naaman, if anybody was going to find answers in Rimon or anywhere else, he would have found them. But there was no answers in this false god. There was no answers anywhere else. And so now, because of the words of a captured servant girl, because he is at the place of desperation, he now 
comes to the Lord. I'm telling y'all, I, I keep trying to move from this, but I just keep stopped here. I just need to speak to somebody that feels desperate here today. I need to speak to somebody that you feel like you are at the end of the rope. You have tried everything you know to do. You are the perfect candidate now to turn to Jesus for Him to touch you or heal you or deliver you or what Ever you may need. Please don't turn to alcohol. Please don't turn to drugs. Please don't turn to suicide. Please, please, please turn to Jesus. So, here he is at the point of desperation. He t- Naaman tells the king, and the king loves Naaman. And so the king, he's like, by all means. Let me just read it to you. Verse 4. Naaman went to his master, told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means, go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten sets of clothing. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter I am sending my servant Naaman to you, so that you may cure him of his Leprosy. Look at verse 7. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he is trying to pick a fight with me. Put your finger right there because we're about to come to the next verse. You see, Israel was in a state of idolatry. The king in control right now was the son of Ahab. You remember Ahab, Ahab and Jezebel, wicked, wicked people. And now their son is the king. He's wicked. He's into idolatry. And now all of a sudden, this, this, this king from another land sends a letter and sends his second in command and says, I'm sending this guy to you to heal him. And he most rightfully gets torn up because he knows, number one, he can't heal nobody. And also, he know all you got to do is read in here a little bit. These evil kings didn't get along too well with either Elijah or Elisha. Because they were constantly calling them out for the sin and idolatry. And they wouldn't stand for any of it. So now the king of Israel is upset. He's like, why is this guy trying to pick a fight with me? I can't. He tears his robes. He's like, I can't fix this but now we come to verse 8 look at it when Elisha the man of God heard that the king of Israel has torn his robes he sent him this message why have you torn your robes have the man come to me look at this and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel you see the king was wicked The nation was filled with idolatry. But as soon as Elisha caught wind of it, he sent word to that wicked king. He said, you send him my way because I need them to know that there is still a prophet in Israel. I just need to remind you in this wicked day, I know I say this many times, but I find it in the Bible many times. And that is this, that God Almighty always 
always has a remnant of people, even in the most wicked, even in the most idolatrous, even in the most crazy times, God still has a remnant of people that he has anointed, that he is using, that he is speaking to. Listen to me, Startful Church of God. I'm preaching to us this morning. I believe that God has called us in the middle of a wicked time, in the middle of an idolatrous time, in the middle of a time where everything is chaotic. God is warning this world to still see that he has a church that is still endued with power from on high. It is my heart's cry that this place, this city sit on a hill, be a beacon to this community, to this city, to the Golden Triangle area, that we are a beacon to show this lost and dying world that there's still a God in heaven that sits on a throne and he has a church that he is using as his ambassadors here on this planet. He said, I want them to know there's still a prophet in Israel. Folks, I'm ready for the world to know there's still a church. I'm not, I'm not just talking about the weak, watered down. Here's the church, here's the steeple, open the doors, and here's all the people. I'm not talking about a religious country club. I'm talking about, I want the world to see that there is still a blood-bought Holy Spirit empowered church in this world today. So Elisha said, hey, king, send, send them on my way. We see then that as Naaman arrives to Elisha's house, something, something interesting really happens. You see, we find that when he arrives at Elisha's house, verse 10, let's just, let's just read it. Actually, start in verse 9. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots, and he stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Now think about this for just a second. Think about this spectacle here. I mean, this dude, I mean, he's number two in their nation. And he's got horses and chariots. He's brought all these treasures with him. I mean, think about the kind of hoopaloo that was going on here. Think about as they pull up at the prophet of God's. I don't know. I don't think it was probably a huge place. But think about all these horses and chariots and royalty all pull up at the humble home of the local prophet Elisha. Naaman no doubt expected that Elisha would have run out, come running out the door and say, oh, welcome. I'm so glad that you've come. I'm so honored and touched that your royalty would come to my house. But what happened? I'm going to get in. He had even more in his mind. I'm going to get to in a second. But what happened? Elisha didn't even walk out the door. <laughs> come on, somebody. Elisha didn't even walk out the door of the house. Instead, the Bible says this. Take me to verse 10. I see it right there. Move on to verse 10. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him. So here's Naaman and all of this hubaloo. 
all of these chariots, all of these soldiers, all of these the gold and silver, everything else pulls up at Elisha's house. What does Elijah do? Man, he just sits there in his recliner. <laughs> and he sends a messenger. He said, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. Now, I put, put my, if you'll put that picture back up there, my title side, because that's, that's what I want you to see, that this, this is the Jordan. Now, I don't know about y'all, but every once in a while in the middle of winter, especially when we's up in Illinois and it gets really cold, sometimes on my phone or on my computer screen, you know what I like to put in the middle of cold, gray winter? Some nice, clear blue water, some palm trees just to remind me you're going to make it through this season. <laughs> the Jordan River was the opposite of that. The Jordan River was dirty. The Jordan River was nasty. You see, Naaman had everything planned out. Look at verse 11. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God. Wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Naaman had an expectation of this grandiose thing that he expected to happen for his healing to happen. In other words, he had his own agenda and he had his own timetable. And I've preached this enough to y'all, but it's over and over in the Bible. So one more time here in November of 2021, here's your pastor saying, God rarely works how I think he should, and he rarely works on the timetable that I think he should. Because God is going to do it in his way, and he's going to do it in his time. So Elisha told him, go wash in the Jordan River seven times you see we find as i said before this is this is filthy this is nasty this is disgusting it's not a clear beautiful blue water no it's disgusting it's nasty it's nowhere that anybody just wants to go and swim around in fact naaman he he gets so angry about this. Verse 12, are not Abna and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than any of the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and he went off in a rage. Basically, he was saying, well, I'm too good for this old muddy river here. I'm not going to, I've got much better waters back home. Why did he just tell me to do this? And this, that he had traveled so far, gotten all of this together, got his king, got the letters, got the treasures, seen the king of Israel. Now we've seen the prophet. The prophet tells him what to do. But right here, oh, come on, I need somebody to get this in your spirit. Right here, when he was on the brink of his miracle, he almost forfeited it. Because this was going to require humility and obedience. 
You see, Naaman would have traveled around most of the known world. He would have paid great riches, but that was not what God wanted him to do. And I'm going to stop for just a second here, too, because I still got 16 minutes till 12. And I need you to see something here that, that happens in verse 13. Look at it. Henry, if you will, put it up there for me. I want everybody to see it. Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you, washed and be cleansed? Y'all ready for this? I'm about, to, I'm about to give you, I mean, this is going to be profound. You may go tweet this, put it on Facebook, Instagram. Y'all ready for this? You ready? You need some people that will talk some sense into you sometimes. You need to surround yourself with good, godly people that will talk sense into you sometimes. Remember what I said? Naaman, I mean, he was on the very, he was on the verge. I mean, he, this is the miracle. He was right, I mean, he's right there. And you know what Naaman almost did? Just turned around and left. Out of pride, out of not wanting to humble himself and lower himself. But thank God that he had some folks around him that would talk some sense into him. I need to say this one more time. You better keep some godly friends around you that will help talk some sense into you sometime. Thank God that I have had people in my life before that care enough about me to just stop and to talk some sense into my hard head sometimes. I know none of y'all have ever faced that before. It's just me. But just in case there's somebody like me, please, 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 please stop for a second sometimes and let some godly people talk some sense into you. I'm almost, we're getting close to 12. I got to wrap this up. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? I'm about to wrap this up here. So his servant said, wouldn't you have done all this great things? So thank the Lord for him. Naaman listened. He listened. And so what did he do? He went down. He went down. Put my river back up there, if you will, please, Henry. He went back. He went to exactly where the man of God said. He went to that muddy, dirty, nasty Jordan River. And he dipped seven times and the very first verse we read as our text today told us what happened the bible then said then that he as he came up he said he went down verse 14 so he went down and dipped himself in the jordan seven times as the man of god told him and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy you see, the Jordan was dirty. The Jordan was nasty. But what do we find in this? The cross. The cross was dirty. Not in the sense of your thing. I'm talking about it. It was, it was literally dirty, bloody, 
filthy. In fact, it was the most shameful way in that time for anyone to ever die. And nowadays there are those that don't even want to embrace it anymore. They feel like that we've come too far, that we're too civilized, that we just, we've, 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 we've reached a pinnacle and a point where we just can't embrace that any longer. My friend, I'm telling you, there are some things, I've said this even this morning in men's breakfast, I keep on saying it, there's some stuff that don't matter. It don't matter if this carpet is green. It don't matter if it's purple. It don't matter if the 70s come back around like everything else and we put down orange carpet. <laughs> that don't matter. It don't matter if we sit on these pews, if we bring in chairs, or we take some cinder blocks and put some two-by-fours on it. That don't matter. But let me tell you what does matter. The cross. The cross matters. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Naaman didn't want to go down into this dirty, nasty water. Some people say, I don't want to have anything to do with that cross. It's bloody. It's nasty. It's disgusting. But I'm telling you this morning that if we're going to find healing, if we're going to find salvation, if we're going to find hope, it will come when we embrace that old rugged cross. He had to humble himself. He had to dip. He dipped seven times. I don't have time. I've used up all my time this morning. He dipped seven times. And when he was obedient, the Lord gave him his miracle. As the singers and musicians make their way to the platform. The last thought I give you is this. We continue on in the story and we find the servant of Elisha, whose name was Gehazi. You see, Naaman, after he's healed, he comes back to Elisha's house. This time, Elisha came out. Listen, it wasn't that Elisha thought he was better or he was stuck up. God had something to do there. God needed to humble Naaman a little bit. God had some things to do. And when he comes back and he's healed, Elisha then comes out to meet him and talks to him. And he says, Elisha, listen, I, let me give you this stuff. I brought all this stuff, silver, gold, changes of clothes. All, let me give it to you. And Elisha said, nope, don't want it. And so he says, well, can I at least take some dirt? Because I don't want to worship or sacrifice to any other God except the Lord God Almighty. He says, you take Take you some dirt. Well, he leaves off. Naaman pulls out that hoopaloo, as I said. They, the whole thing pulls out of there. And there's Gehazi. There's Gehazi thinking about, hmm, I sure could have used some of that gold. I sure would have liked. Was it 10? Was it 10? I don't want to misquote it. I think, was it 10 changes of clothes? Yeah, 10 talents of silver. Yes, ten sets of clothing. Oh, Gehazi was thinking, man, I'd have looked good. I'd have looked good in one of them sets of clothing. Then he got to thinking about it, and he's like, this dude, he's, 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 a, he's a heathen. 
not an Israelite. He doesn't deserve for our God to do for him what he just did for him. He should pay for this. He doesn't deserve this. Can I just remind somebody today, God's grace is big enough. It's not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Can I tell you that God, when Jesus came, shed his blood on Calvary, suddenly, didn't really matter what your bloodline was. Doesn't matter what your skin color was. None of that matters anymore. Because Jesus Christ came and died, and he died for every single one of us. Gehazi thought that he didn't deserve it. You see, we can't look down at others. We can't think that we're more deserving than anybody else. You see, I'm going this afternoon. I'm going to leave out, and I'm going to drive down to McGee, preach for Pastor Jeremy down there at the well where those men and women, they've made bad choices. And they've gotten themselves addicted to drugs and alcohol. And it'd be easy to look down and say, you know, you've gotten yourself in this mess. You don't really deserve but you know what? I thank God for His grace and mercy. I thank God that it doesn't matter how much we've messed up. Doesn't matter how many mistakes that we've made. It doesn't matter what kind of background that we have. God's grace is always enough. Where sin doth abound, grace does much more abound. See, I want you to know if you're in here in this building right now listening to me or maybe somebody listening by podcast, I want you to know, yes, you, God loves you. He cares about you. He cared about naming this heathen man, was not an Israelite, was not of the blood of Abraham, you know. But God cared about him, and God showed Gehazi that. And you know what we find? We find that Gehazi, the servant, then tracks him down, convinces him, makes up a lie, gets some of the stuff, gets it back to the house, hides it, runs into Elisha, What's been going on, Gehazi? Oh, nothing been going on. I hadn't been anywhere. And Elisha, I mean, you would think Gehazi would have known by this point. I mean, this is Elisha. But we all make goofy mistakes. And Elisha's like, oh, you didn't go anywhere? Why did I see Naaman get down out of his chariot and give you that stuff then? It's like busted. And the prophet Elisha said, now because you have done this, Naaman's leprosy is going to cling to you. Folks, here's what I'm going to give you, and then we're about to pray. We cannot ever come to the point where we think that anybody else is undeserving of the grace of Jesus Christ. We cannot ever come to the place where we think that we're better than somebody else or somebody else does not deserve the same grace Jesus Christ has extended to us because if we ever come to that place you know what it may not be leprosy but I've seen it bitterness clings to us 
It takes us down a path that we don't want to go down. Stand with me, if you will, please. I wonder here today, I, I had no, like I told you, I don't always, in fact, rarely do I know which direction I'm going to go. I just know what I'm supposed to speak, and the Spirit leads me. And as we were singing that song about miracles happen in this room and everything, the Spirit of the Lord just said, that's, that's what I want the altar call to be, miracles. And I know we're here, and I know it is 1157. And I know y'all want to beat the Baptists and the Methodists and the Presbyterians and everybody else to the restaurants. But, but listen, I, I can't leave here without first asking if there's somebody here and you need a miracle in your life. Miracles happen in this room. Not because this room is special, but because the people that are in this room are so We're the church. And when we're gathered in this place, miracles can happen in Jesus' name. So I'm going to give this simple altar call. I don't know what it may be. could be physical, financial, relational, whatever it may be. If you need a miracle, oh, one's already coming. Thank the Lord. If you need a miracle, I want you to come and step out right here. Step out. Find you a place right here. And let's ask the Lord. If he did it for Naaman, he did what no man, no doctor, no other God could do. He performed a miracle. Come on, don't be, I'll be here with you. I'm not got anywhere to go until I got to leave at three to head down to McGee. Other than that, I'm right here. I'm not in a hurry. Come on, find a place. You say, I need a miracle. I need a miracle in my life. And I believe that God Almighty, if he did it for Naaman, he can do it for me. God proved that through Gehazi, that, that he will do it for anybody that will believe, that will humble themselves and be a, remember Naaman did. He had to step out. He had to step out and dip in that muddy Jordan. He, he did have to obey. He did have to humble himself. But when we will do that, no matter who we are, God will do a miracle for us. Anybody else? Anybody else? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I need my prayer warriors. I need my pastor's counsel. But we'll, I want everybody, those that will come and begin to pray with these. I'm fixing to, but I need some folks to just begin to agree with these for miracles to happen in this room today. That miracles, if God can cleanse a leper, if God can heal a heathen named Naaman, then God can do a miracle in their lives in the name of Jesus. Go ahead and sing.
We 